0: Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at Godsolutionshow.com. Now, here's your host, Nate Herbst. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're tuned in this Easter weekend. Happy Easter! Well, I hope you've been enjoying the past couple of shows, part one and part two of our interview with Dr. Gary Habermas about evidence for the resurrection. If you missed those, go to Godsolutionshow.com, again, Godsolutionshow.com, and get both of those shows under the Past Shows tab. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Habermas, world renowned expert on the evidence for the resurrection, about the evidence for the resurrection. It's been great. And today, Easter weekend, we're going to conclude with our interview with Dr. Habermas about the evidence for the resurrection. We just have been talking with Dr. Habermas about near death experiences. He is a peer reviewer for the only peer reviewed journal on near death experiences. And he is talking a little bit about two different types of near-death experiences, the otherworldly ones and the thisworldly ones. He will warn us about the otherworldly ones, that we cannot make theological conclusions based on other people's subjective experiences. We shouldn't make them on our own either. So because of that, he really focuses a lot on the thisworldly ones. So let me clarify. The otherworldly experiences are the ones where somebody might say something like, I went to heaven and I saw Grandpa. Of course, we don't know if they really went to heaven, and we don't know if they really met Grandpa. That's a subjective statement, and we don't know whether it's true or not, and we can't find out much about it either way. Whether we have an experience like that or somebody else does, we shouldn't ever make a theological conclusion based on a subjective experience. Because of that, he's going to warn us not to make those the focus of near-death experience investigation. He's instead going to focus on the this-worldly ones, the experiences where you can actually quantify that someone had a real supernatural out-of-body experience that lends credibility to the evidence for our resurrection. Of course, we know and we've heard the past few weeks that the evidence for Christ's resurrection is overwhelming. But what's fascinating is there's also good evidence for our own resurrection. Of course, we know that if Jesus beat death, he can do the same for you and me, and he promised to do that for anyone who believes in him. What's fascinating, though, is that in modern times, even secular scholars are realizing that there's tangible evidence for life after death. We're going to pick up talking a little bit with him about that right now, We're talking about near-death experiences and what we can learn from those experiences. But right before we get back to that third part of the interview, I wanted to remind you that he is the world expert on the evidence for the resurrection, chair of the philosophy department at Liberty University, world-renowned author. He's written over 40 books, many on the evidence for the resurrection, and a great guy to be interviewing this Easter. So anyway, with that being said, let's pick up talking about near-death experiences with Dr. Habermas. Even though people have different experiences, our experiences can be all across the spectrum.
1: Exactly. And they are all across the spectrum. But, and and I think that's the key uh, to this, is that whenever you say, you know, someone says, well, hey, you said 160 estimated cases of evidence for near-death experiences, yeah. All right, so it looks like these things happen, yeah. Um how come you like it when it's evidence and you don't like it when the testimony goes against christianity and there's not evidence when the testimony goes against christianity and there's there's a really really pretty simple answer and it goes like this the evidential cases these hundred and sixty-ish uh cases they concern this worldly reports um i'm making this up there's this isn't an actual case but uh let's say well a person was in a car accident and they're lying on the street and the ambulance is there and they're getting ready to take this person to the the uh hospital the person says they were up above the body their body the whole time and they watch what the researchers were i mean what the uh uh emergency people were doing to them and they happen to look over you know a block away and they saw another car accident and they could repeat what happened, the green car went through a stop sign, hit a red car, and how do you know all this? Well, because I told you, I was up above my body, and I saw that happen. Well, someone rushes off and gets a police report, and they find out that the guy properly reported this, and when I came to in the hospital, the first thing I ask, strangely enough, the first thing I ask is, what happened to the guy in the green shirt who was hurt in that other accident? Um, so it's not something I elaborated in my mind and made up later, it happened right away. Okay. The evidence for near-death experiences are things that happen in hospitals. It's things on other floors, like I might be attracted to where my my family is sitting in the waiting room, waiting for the surgery to be over. All right, so I report things, and everybody says, yeah, that happened. How do you know? Well, I saw you guys. I looked in on you. All right, it's this worldly evidence. Now, what backs up the testimonies that the other kind, the troublesome ones, what backs up the testimony that I'm a Buddhist and I'm going to heaven? I'm an atheist, and I didn't believe in God, but now I do, and I didn't believe in an afterlife, but now I do, and they say I'm good just like I am, and, wow, I'm going to try to be a better person, but it's great to know I'm on my way, way to heaven. And There's no such thing as judgment. There's no hell. And Okay, what are those? Well, you already mentioned this, Nate. It's, it's, it's a case of, of where's the evidence. Do you have evidence that there's no hell? that there's no judgment, that you were told you're an atheist, but you're ready to go to heaven. Do you have any evidence of these things? Uh, no, it's just my impression, but I know it's true because I heard it. Okay, well, you quote-unquote know it's true, but I don't know it's true because you're telling me. Uh, how do I know it wasn't a dream? How do I know it wasn't something you wanted to believe? You know, if there's a heaven, everybody like to go there. And we don't have any evidence for those testimonies. So... The things that can be verified is the beginning, the first few moments of the afterlife, uh, where the person is still kind of tied to their body. They're not irreversibly dead. What I can't verify are the testimonies. And you go, well, that knife cuts both ways, you know. Uh, Eighteen percent of near-death experiencers experience hell. Uh, You do believe in hell. You lose that, too. And I say, so be it. I lose the hell ones, too, because... A hell testimony is a testimony. There's no evidence that there's a hell there. There's only the guy's statement that he sought. And, and you're right that, that testimonies are a, a dime a dozen. Everybody has a testimony. So I have no evidence that those things that are contrary to Christianity, I'm not, I have no evidence that any of those things are true. But I do have evidence that this worldly things are true for a person who doesn't have a measurable beating heart or a measurable brain. And that's impressive, because that says naturalism is wrong. And naturalism is the leading worldview in the West that Christians have to confront.
0: So you're just saying we accept the objective data, and Uh we're not going to do much with the subjective data. It sounds like a pretty... Solid approach to me <laughs> well it's it 's one we use all the time, yeah, you know if someone 's sitting over dinner and they tell you a really crazy story,
1: and you go, man, it sounds like you had a bad trip last night. <laughs> sounds like you had that dream didn 't do you any good at all, everybody laughs and you know, but that 's the way we deal with everyday life we don't we don 't hang doctrine on somebody 's dream we don 't hang doctrine on somebody 's experience, and they may be they may believe it 's totally true, but that doesn 't help me mm-hmm. um So, I don't have evidence for the testimony, but I have evidence for the events that they report while in that state, yes. So, people might say to me, well, that's pretty convenient for you. And I could say, well, not totally convenient. I lose the hell cases, too, because they fall prey to the same knife that cuts both ways. But, I mean, uh, on this other score, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Jews, Christians, we're all going to stand shoulder to shoulder... And say, we believe in the afterlife, and we're going to be in favor of the NDEs, and we're all going to testify against naturalism that their view seems on empirical grounds to be wrong. I mean, I, I tell people years ago, uh, one of my students got a, a Hare Krishna full-color, expensive-looking magazine that was passed out to them you know, to, by some Hare Krishna guys to witness. And the very first article was so interesting. I still have this in my files. The first article was by a Ph.D. in physics who argues for the cosmological argument for God's existence. Mm-hmm. Now, all these different religions can can be excited about God because everybody believes in God. They will sit down and argue about which God. Well, same thing with an afterlife. Um, nobody has objection to afterlife except for the naturalist, basically. And they're the odd man out here, but they're the, you know, they're the most common worldview right now, and they seem to be losing ground on a number of scores.
0: The most common worldview here in the West, maybe. That's correct. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution Show. You can go to godsolutionshow.com to find out more about The God Solution. We're interviewing world-renowned expert on the evidence for the resurrection, Gary Habermas. I hope that you're enjoying the interview so far. You can get our past interviews with Dr. Habermas at Godsolutionshow.com under the Past Shows tab. And you can definitely pick up this third part of the interview next week at Godsolutionshow.com as well. Well, anyway, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the rest of the interview with Dr. Gary Habermas. You've kind of hit this. We've talked about the evidence for the resurrection. We've talked about NDEs. What does this say for supernaturalism versus naturalism in just a summary statement?
1: A summary statement, uh, we've only talked about those two. You're right, resurrection and NDEs. But if we start talking about other things, we also mentioned uh, Jesus is predicting his resurrection. If you bring all these things together, plus some things like uh, uh, Craig Keener's 1,100 pages of current miracle claims, some of them are uh, evidential cases of miracles today. Uh, There's a couple double-blind prayer experiments in universities that showed the efficacy of praying for the sick. Um, You put all these together, and I think there's a pretty impressive case that this is a supernatural world. And Everybody but the naturalists say amen, and then, like I said, the naturalists leave the discussion with their head down, (laughs) and the rest of us sit around and talk about which religion is true. And I just think on Christian grounds, we have, it's sort of getting toward the end of my career here, uh, we have more evidence for Christianity than I ever dreamed possible. And I would say no other religion on earth does positive apologetics. For, you know, everybody does apologetics, but their apologetics are usually, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Okay. Christianity says, yeah, you're wrong too but Christianity has positive evidence for why we're right. And so I think we are uniquely qualified to answer that second question of, okay, now which God? I, I think we're on strong grounds there. What would you give as an answer to somebody that rejects God for other reasons? And I, I work with a lot of people affected by disability and a lot of families affected by disability, and, and namely you know, children born with those disabilities. Right, and that causes a lot of people to question God's existence, and sure. you know how how would you address that? Well, the problem of pain and suffering is certainly a major issue. I mean, first of all, I would stand uh, shoulder to shoulder with that person because, as has been told now, and as nearly as I can tell, almost twenty million pieces of literature, mostly by Lee Strobel and uh, the Billy Graham Association. Um, my wife, the mother of my, I'm remarried, but the wife of my four children um, died of stomach cancer in 1995 when she was only 43 years old. And I thought that God had wanted me to, you know, be a professor and write and everything else. But lo and behold, these kids need, the youngest was nine, and these kids needed clean clothes, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they needed to be put down at a decent time at night, and they needed help with their homework, and I was all of a sudden a single parent. Uh, so understanding and going through it is important, but th- there are, I mean, its it would be impossible to give an answer in, in one minute, but I have a series of moves that I make with folks who are saying that. But bottom line, um, maybe I could cut the chase and say maybe the main thing i would say would be something like this you suffer i suffer we've all suffered at one time or another i stood by the grave one year ago i stood by the grave of my niece and her husband as we buried their little baby Mm -hmm. um you know this happens to christians and non-christians alike the rain comes on the righteous and the unrighteous and so does death and dying that's the world we live in but i would say to them when when things happen to us that's that's because of fallenness that's because of what this world is but i would say my resurrection argument and afterlife argument these two arguments we've been taking care with today they trump the argument from evil and they trump the argument from evil because evil says bad things happen in the world but we don't have a built-in just like the near death experiences we don't have a built in objective explanation for what's going on the The view of what it means is simply a testimony and testimonies can be conflicting and they can be you know right and wrong. Um, the fact that people experience evil doesn't allow them to know God's mind and say what does and what doesn't but the resurrection says that there is. A God, and there is a system, and n d e s and the resurrection say that there's an afterlife, and so the positive evidence, if Jesus came back from the other world, if n d e s came back from having one foot in the other world, um, we can talk about afterlife, but we cannot talk objectively about what evil you might be angry, but that's your anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you have to deal with your own testimony, yeah. so I would say resurrection for a number of reasons resurrection trumps evil. It's the best signpost that we have to what's going on out there. And the fact that I experienced it myself makes, to that level, losing the person that was closest to me in the world. And I told my friends when they asked me, I would say, the worst possible thing has happened to me. Uh, I've lost my soulmate. Um, They'll listen to me. They'll say, ah, well, you've been there too. Yes, I have. And I buried my nephew and and as a little baby, and and so on. So we've been there. But what we might say about that is an interpretation. And interpretations are not baptized, you know, with truth. Those are just our views. Uh, Whereas the resurrection tells us there's a God and there's an afterlife. And it tells us which system of interpretation is true, because Jesus is the only founder of a major world religion who, A, claimed to be God, B said, "What you do with him determines where you spend eternity." And C he was raised from the dead. No other religion claims those things. Not even claims them. So I would go after it that way. Uh, there's a bunch of other responses I use, but um, okay. that at least gets us started. Uh, I have one last question for you. I've, I've interacted with a, a ton of guys that are brilliant like you and do all this research, and it's 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 kind of the myth out there that doing all this doesn't really affect you that much. You kind of you know you you compartmentalize and. How has all this research impacted your faith and your life? It's impacted my faith in this sense. Um, when I started, I wasn't sure what was right and what was wrong. I was very much affected by naturalism. I did not know if, would you are buried, the leaves blow over your grave, and that's it. Or as the uh, rock group Kansas sang in the 70s, all we are is dust in the wind. I I didn't know if if that was true, but, but as time goes on, I am more sure than I've ever been in my life that the supernatural is true, the denial of the supernatural is false, and then once I answer the question, supernatural or not supernatural, and I say supernatural, now I have to decide which system and i think the evidence for christianity nothing is close to it anywhere in the world so for me what's come out of this is an assurance that says there's a world beyond this one and what i do what i do now determines jesus teaching determines where he spends where we spend eternity i tell people that's the yellow brick road or the scarlet ribbon that goes through scripture and jesus said you know get on that trail and follow it and And I want that with all my life. I want it for myself. I want it for my kids. Now, as far as telling other people, I live on a little lake. I'm looking out on it right now. And I don't have time to fish. I wish I did. The last time I've been out there fishing was probably five years ago. But I've caught some big bass on that lake. (laughs) And when I hooked into the last bass I caught, he was a big guy, I held him up and I looked around the lake and I didn't see anybody walking down by the lake. But I started hooting. I started going, woo, woo, (laughs) like that. And I'm holding this bass up and I went across the lake and showed a a neighbor of mine, and he's out on the dock. Why do I do that? Because I am excited to let you know that I am skilled enough to catch this big bass. Well, if I am that thrilled about these kind of events, why wouldn't I be thrilled to tell my loved ones and friends that there's another world beyond this one? and better than that big bass, knowing that I have eternal life. If it's really true, there are some extremely practical things that should come from this, and I should want others to share it, too. Even if they say they don't want to hear it, I should share it with others because uh, I, I care about them, and I want them to know that there's a difference between spending eternity somewhere and spending eternity somewhere else. So, In a way, the resurrection studies have set my whole career for me, and now they're setting my whole ministry for me.
0: And you know what? They're helping a lot of us in our ministries. I get to share often the evidence, and I've even taken your minimal facts and put them on flyers and handed them out on college campus around Easter time and stuff like that. And it's just so encouraging to know that we can know with confidence that Christ rose from the dead. I've told you before on the show when you've been on that Some of my biggest doubts have revolved around resurrection of my own body. Can I really rise from the dead? And the fact that we can have confidence in Christ's resurrection is so reassuring, and it gives me confidence in my life and ministry as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Habermas, for all you've done. I just can't say it enough. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for being on the show. It's just an incredible pleasure every time we get to talk to you.
1: Well, thanks. Like I said before, it's all about ministry. And if anything I've done helps anybody in any small way... That's the highest praise I can be given is to be told, wow, you know, you helped me or through this or that. So I, I really appreciate that testimony.
0: Thanks. Okay, so people need to go to your website because you have so much free information there and so many resources. Tell them where to go.
1: They can go to www.garyhabermas, no bells and whistles, caps, spaces, nothing, just garyhabermas.com. And there's nothing for sale on that website. I I don't sell my books. (laughs) I tell you if you want them, go to Amazon. Um, I I don't sell them, but there's all kinds of lectures, videos, or some books uh, for the doubter, for the people with questions. I've written three books on doubt. Two of them are on the website, and they're free of charge. So people can download them. They can get a chapter. They can take them to a friend. The one book, The Thomas Factor, Using Your Doubts to Grow Closer to God, is about emotional doubt. It's by far the most common. it's by far the most painful. Um, if they can take that and help somebody who's going through doubt and is in danger of falling off the ledge so to speak, away from Christianity, then I would encourage him to start thinking more clearly about this because most again, most doubt is not from being able not being able to answer factual questions. Most doubt comes from dealing with lights, hurts and dealing with our interpretations of things. And we just don't realize that those things are not objective, even as we've said over and over in this uh, interview. So they can go there, and whatever they find, more power to them. I hope it's uh, useful in ministry.
0: Well, thank you so much again for being on The God Solution Show, and we'll be in touch.
1: Thank you very much. Enjoyed the time.
0: Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes our interview with Gary Habermas. I hope that you are encouraged with the evidence for the resurrection. Happy Easter. We don't serve a dead God. Every other religion in existence is based on a founder that's buried and in the grave today. Ours is not. Jesus stands alone among all the other religious figures of history as the only one who beat death, the only one who's qualified to do the same for you and me. Many people have promised an afterlife to their adherents. Only Jesus showed that he could actually follow through on that promise. All of human history is full of people searching for answers to this question, this existential question about what happens after death. The Egyptians built pyramids and countless other people throughout history have done similar things, trying to achieve immortality. For the first time in human history, Jesus gave us tangible evidence that he could do that for us. Jesus alone is able to give us eternal life. He alone beat death, and he alone is qualified to offer eternal life to those who put their faith and trust in him. Well, as you've heard the past three weeks and in the interview today, the evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming. We don't believe that Jesus beat death simply because the Bible says so. We don't believe that Jesus beat death simply because emotionally we want to believe in something like that. We know that Jesus beat death because history tells us he did, and we can be confident in it. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 said that if he didn't beat death, we are fools for being Christians. Well, the reality is from the year that Christianity started until today, Christians have known that the evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming. And because of that, I can put my faith and trust in Jesus, knowing that since he beat death, he can do the same for me. But all of that requires something of me. Every one of us has a decision about what we will do in response to Christ's offer. See, the Bible says that you and I are loved dearly by God, but also that we are sinful and that our sin separates us from a perfect and just God. That is a big problem left that way. Fortunately for us, Jesus, God in human flesh, lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross paying for my sins and yours so that anyone who puts their faith and trust in him can be adopted into his family, can be forgiven eternally, and can be guaranteed an eternal life with him in heaven. He proved again that he could offer that by beating death 2,000 years ago, something that we celebrate this very weekend on Easter. If you've never made the decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I can't think of a better time to do that than now on Easter weekend. Go ahead and take that step today, saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I ask you to come into my life as my Savior and Lord I ask you to make me the kind of person that you want me to be. The Bible says that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you'll be guaranteed a life in eternity with Him, and you'll be able to look forward to a life of meaning and purpose on this planet as you walk with Him. Again, I can't think of a better way to celebrate Easter, so I encourage you to take that step today. I also encourage you to share that hope with your friends You have friends that desperately need to know Jesus and the hope that you have found in him. Invite them to Easter service this Sunday. Think of a few friends that you could invite to church with you this Sunday and share the evidence for the resurrection with them. Maybe encourage them to listen to this show or past shows at godsolutionshow.com or just share what Christ has done in your life. The point is, this Easter... Make the most of it by sharing Christ with your friends and family and neighbors and relatives and coworkers and anybody else that you might meet as well because every person alive needs Jesus. You could join us at Hoffmantown Church this Sunday. That's here in Albuquerque at the corner of Harper and Ventura Street at 930 for Easter service. I hope that you'll join us at Hoffmantown Church this Sunday. Well, I'm so glad that you tuned in. Again, go to godsolutionshow.com to get all of our past shows. While you're there, you could find out ways to support the ministry. You could donate a tax-deductible gift to the ministry to keep this show on the air and to expand this show. You could also use the contact form while you're there to leave us a few comments about the show or even questions that you might have or things that you'd like us to address on the show in the future. Well, anyway, I love having you on the show each week, and I hope that you'll keep tuning in. We'll be getting to some more great interviews. We'll be talking with Laura Crocus of Missional Women, and soon she's going to have some great practical tips on sharing our faith and things like that, and a neat opportunity for the women in the audience to grow closer to God and learn how to share their faith. She'll be telling us about that next week, and then the week after that, we'll be having another incredible interview with a big-time astrophysicist about some new findings in in that field. Anyway, I'm glad that you've been tuning in. I hope that you'll keep tuning in and letting your friends know about the show. Again, one final time, go to godsolutionshow.com and check out all of our past shows there. Well, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution with Nate Herbst. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at godsolutionshow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.